This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into the camp. Well, the Badgers finish off their season on a high note, or at least the regular season on a high note. They beat Minnesota 28-14. They get off to that slow start again, Jesse, but uh, they finished strong and showed uh, something that maybe Luke Fickle hadn't seen this year, maybe fans hadn't seen, but uh, that team played with a lot of fight, a lot of vigor, and stuck it to P.J. Fleck. I can see you trying to stifle your laugh with that, <laughs> with that comment. Yeah, Lucas talked at stretches about being impressed by what he's seen. The late comeback against Illinois on the road was an example. But this showed him something about the team in a different way, I think. They know the importance of this rivalry. It's something Tanner Mordecai said he heard about the first day he was on campus that they talked about during fall camp at UW Platt. Once you get into it, you truly realize how special it is. So for them to come out and despite yet another inexplicable slow start, really put it on Minnesota over those middle quarters and score three unanswered touchdowns. Um, I, I thought, I, I know the Purdue game might be in the running, but given the circumstances in the opponent, I thought this was the best performance by Wisconsin's team overall this season. I think there's a great argument to be made for that, for sure. Um, we will get to a lot of stuff here today or uh, during the show. Going to get to your Twitter questions coming up in a little bit. Uh, obviously, Braylon Allen's huge day, potentially his final day. Minnesota and um, what Wisconsin, what this win means. But I, I do think I need to start with somehow Minnesota still bowl eligible. <laughs> it's it's insane. You, you Again, I... It was a late night for me. It was a, it was a late it was a long day, not as long as it was for PJ Fleck, but it was a long day and so I ended up being awake this morning when Colorado State was playing off against uh, Hawaii and I've never cheered for a game that I couldn't watch harder than I was pulling for Colorado State. They came back had a miracle touchdown and still couldn't uh, then then lost on a walk-off field goal, 52-yard field goal. So disappointing. But but Wisconsin deserves a ton of credit for what they did uh, up in Minneapolis yesterday. And again, I, uh, I I don't want to be negative about it. I still think the season did not meet, meet expectations. And I think that's at least down the line in terms of what we need to look at. And, and we'll talk big picture stuff. Maybe we'll talk big picture stuff on uh, on the second show this week, or maybe we'll do it on Temple and Heilprin. But you, you mentioned this being the most complete effort, 412 yards of offense to 286. They, did not have an offensive penalty. I want to say maybe the first time this year. I, I think I did not go back and look at it, but I imagine this is probably the first time this year that they did not have a penalty on the offense at all. They had three defensive pass interference calls, but other than that, did not have a penalty. They averaged 6.2 yards per play. They averaged 6.1 yards per rush. It was, as I think, as you alluded to, almost a complete performance if you take away the first drive for the defense. Yes, and especially when you consider how much this team has scuffled at various stages of the season. Um, I, the offensive line, how much have we talked about them being a disappointment and not being what Wisconsin offensive lines should be or what the expectation has come to be known as based on what we saw a decade ago? 
they were fantastic. There's no denying it. The way they were able to create openings for Braylon to give Tanner Mordecai time to dominate in ways that you have to in a game like this really said a lot. And I would say, look at the run pass ratio in this game. Quintessential Wisconsin, in my mind, 44 runs, 22 passes. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Tanner Mordecai is so mobile and maybe it's a called pass play and he turns something or nothing into something. But I think that says a lot about the trust that they had in the run game, but also the offensive line. And maybe maybe that's a glimpse of what Wisconsin needs to be in the future. I'm not saying you're going to have two to one run pass ratio, but we know how valuable that is. So uh, kudos all around to Wisconsin in this one. Yeah, for sure. And Luke Fickle actually talked about it afterwards. And I think maybe if you look at those words and look at what the season has been, you'd say that maybe he's not a fan of what they've done offensively. But I think yesterday was a little bit different just because they were able to run the ball so effectively. They just, I mean, that that hasn't normally been the case this year. Um, you can, if you run the ball 44 times and you get three yards a carry, is that the smartest thing to do offensively? Of course probably, not. Probably <laughs> not. When you're averaging 6.1 yards per carry and running it that many times and you, and you hold a, you know, a double digit lead, for pretty much, you know, uh, the entire fourth. Well, yeah, the entire fourth quarter. You know what you're supposed to do there. I mean, that to me, that that makes sense. But the how they got that 14 point lead was in large part because of that offensive line and the, they being able to move the ball with with Braylon Allen, you know, and, and Tanner Mordecai's legs, obviously. Um, I, I think the drive of the game, maybe maybe the play of the game and the drive of the game happened after Minnesota went up 14 to seven and Wisconsin is facing, this is like what about four minutes, four and a half minutes left in the first half. And you're looking at it and like all the momentum's with Minnesota. And you're like, gosh, is Wisconsin, what's Wisconsin going to do here? And all they did was come out and March. What was it? 75 yards in four plays. And it's why I made the first play of that drive kind of my play of the game. Tanner Mordecai back to pass doesn't have anything, is able to escape with his legs, which, again, we have seen plenty of, especially the last couple of weeks. Roll his right, keep the play alive, and then a veteran in Chimray DK just sits down, becomes wide open, turns it around, and turns it into 35 yards um, and 34 yards. And it is the jump starter for the offense. They score 21 unanswered, and they win They win the game. They win the axe. To me, that, dr- that drive was just... The, the drive of the game and play of the game for me. Didn't that drive also have your favorite play of the season on the ensuing? It did. Uh... It did. I was going to let you, I was going to let you talk a little bit about the drive itself, just because I, that I know people were, uh, did ask about it afterwards. It did. It, it had my, by far my favorite play of the year. How many times have we seen them run a quarterback draw with Tanner Mordecai this year? Quite a bit, Quite a right? Quite a bit. This play was set up, over 12 games, <laughs> almost. I mean, I, I don't know how, how often they were running it early in the season, but they had set this up, set this up, and he does a little fake, and it drew the linebacker in exactly as planned, and he just raises up and tosses it over. The linebacker's head to Braylon Allen for a nice uh, for a nice gain, for a big gain, I should say. Th- that was – and Tan Mordecai had a little bit of a wry smile on his face when he was talking about it afterwards. He goes, I think that was that was a pretty cool play. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think it was a pretty cool play. Yeah, there's no doubt how huge that drive was. Minnesota had taken a 14-7 to lead. There's only four and a half minutes left in the first half. 
And Mordecai goes four for four for 75 yards. And he caps it with that great 11-yard touchdown pass to Will Pauling. I thought it was interesting. This was maybe because Braylon was just tired. He'd taken every snap. If I'm not mistaken, that was the first snap that Cade Yacomelli came into the game. Didn't do anything on the play, obviously. But um, it was just you had to have something like that to to get a little bit of momentum going into halftime. And Wisconsin's able to tie the game and obviously take control in the third quarter. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's, let's talk about Braylon here. Uh, we both agree that that was his last game now. Yes. Right. So asked him afterwards, was that your last game? Is that your final game? And he said, you'll know soon enough. So I think we, I think everybody, when we were going back up to the press box, you know, soon enough. All right. Well, maybe it's coming Sunday or maybe it's coming <laughs> Monday, but uh, to, to, you know, Braylon Lyon has certainly almost certainly played his, his final game. And if this is the way that he goes out, 26 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 6.3 yards per carry. You had a vintage Braylon Allen run on a 50-yard gain in the third quarter and then obviously finish it off with a touchdown on the next play. But break, you know, some traffic at the line of scrimmage, breaks a couple tackles and just takes off. The You could not have gone out a better way. And he, and he said as much. He said, you know, this is to go out the way he did was everything. Yeah, I have little doubt that this is going to be his last game. When you're around players, when you cover this team, I think as long as we have, you get a sense of what the expectations are, but also how they choose or choose not to answer questions. And at this point with Braylon, I don't think he's got a ton more to prove. I know there are fans who may say, well, he's got an injury history. He didn't have that great of a season. He could come back for another year. Look, if you have NFL potential, and as I said on a previous show, I, I asked uh, my colleague Dane Brugler about this, and he's our our NFL draft guru. This was just a couple of weeks ago during Wisconsin's tough stretch. At that time, he said he projected Braylon to be a potential third round draft pick because he's still a very young guy, uh, has mileage left on those tires, and has a lot of upside. If you're in that kind of position, you go. And based on the way we've seen bowl games uh, become less and less important. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to stick around for another month and put yourself at risk when you can begin to train for the NFL draft. But that is for the future. And whenever Braylon chooses to make his decision, specifically as it relates to this game, what a way for Braylon to go out. That 50-yard run, kind of quintessential Braylon, where you just look at it and go, that guy is a man. <laughs> for him to break, for him to do break as many tackles as he did. I mean, we talk about the big drive that Mordecai had where he went four for four Braylon went two for two he had the 50 yard run to open it up and then they're all the way down at the floor and he, he's, he's able to punch it in I mean look at that 50 yard run he's he patiently waits behind his blockers who help to set it up up the middle then there's a Minnesota defensive lineman that, that Braylon runs by there's an, a linebacker he bounces off there's a defensive back that he slips by at the 45 and then he goes all the way down the left sideline until Justin Wally knocks him out at the four, this was just uh, a tremendous way, it, again, if in fact this is it for Braylon, and we believe that it is, a tremendous way for him to go out and, and show everything that he's got. And what has been yet another trying season? Look at his career. It's been marked by ups and downs with all these injuries, and he still finds a way to go for 165 yards with two touchdowns and average 6.3 yards per carry. Just a hell of an effort. Hell of an effort. Hell of an effort. And we also have a little bit of a tell. When Wisconsin beats Minnesota, kind of have a, you get a, a little glimpse of 
what guys' plans are. We saw it in 2019. Jonathan Taylor gets the axe, not a senior. Quintez Cephas gets the axe, not a senior, still had eligibility left. Braylon Allen, one of the one of the one of the first guys to get the axe down there and and chopping away. Again, that doesn't guarantee anything, but it kind of gives you an idea sometimes. Also noteworthy, Jack Nelson uh got his chance as well to uh chop down a goal po- chop down the uh, the goalpost. So just uh heads up there as well. Um so we'll see. I I don't know how you'll remember Braylon, but I, I, I know a lot of people will be upset that he was not able to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, that's certainly if that's the way you want to go with it and that's the way you want to remember, I'm sure. But uh, his career, considering everything that has happened with the program during his career, um, when you saw him come in as a true freshman and what he was able to do, would you have expected maybe more yards? Maybe, but he's ninth all time in Wisconsin history and rushing. And he, he loves Wisconsin. I mean, he's he, you could see his necklace, necklace, uh, UW or his motion W necklace pop out of his uh, um, pads a couple times yesterday after that 50 yard run. Like he loved, I mean, he gave he gave everything he could, I think, I think, to Wisconsin. And so certainly uh, Wisconsin's going to miss him. And they have uh, it's it's going to be a much different looking team probably the next time we see them <laughs> in the whole game. But obviously next year for sure as well. Um one thing before we move on to the defense and some of the stuff that they were able to do, Badgers offensive line, you, you mentioned it, no sacks allowed and just two tackles for loss. I, 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 those are two things that while the running backs play a role and the quarterbacks play a role in that offensive line certainly deserves to be mentioned um, for that. Wisconsin's defense gives up, gives up that first touchdown, just like clockwork. Uh, I think, <laughs> I, I, you know, I like it was the fourth straight time. I think he tweeted that it was, a uh, opening drive touchdown for the opposing team, correct? Yes. Four straight. You just know who they are at this point. And I think we kind of <laughs> said the same thing after Nebraska. They're going to they're gonna struggle. And they gave up one other drive. But other than that, fantastic. 286 yards of total offense for Minnesota. Ethan Kelly of Kamanis had 300 and some odd yards passing last, last year. He had 167 yards this time, and, and they harassed him. Uh, they had uh, a couple of sacks and – hit a, a bunch more times. So the defense, after giving up that first one, finds their footing and um, put together another great final three quarters, very similar to what they've uh, done much of this uh, much of this season, second half team. It's inexplicable why they've been so horrible in, in, the, in the first quarter of games. And I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think you tweeted something to the effect of, I'm not saying they're the worst first quarter team, but I'm also not not saying it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it looks like they're just waiting for the other team to do something and then reacting, but they won the game 28-14, and, and you can't deny what they did from that point forward. Yes, Minnesota scored one touchdown, but otherwise, look at the drives. Uh, there, there were After they gave up the initial touchdown over the next 10 drives, they forced six punts. And I think the final three Minnesota possessions are, are really telling here of, of the mm-hmm. performance because once Wisconsin took that 28, 14 lead, they made sure it was over. I mean, it goes turnover on downs and that was a, Minnesota was in a tough spot by then. Cause they went forward on fourth and nine at the 27 and Cali McManus threw it up for Chris Altman bell and Ricardo Hallman played good coverage turnover on downs. 
Then obviously you get the the fumble where Jordan Turner forces it after Daniel Jackson, who's man, what a talented wide receiver he is. And I remember his recruitment, Wisconsin really wanted him. He was a kid who went to the same high school initially as Grant Mertz way back when, but he caught a 30 yard pass and Jordan Turner comes out and, and strips it. Muma recovers it. And then obviously the last possession Hallman picks off the pass and Jeff Petrowski brings the pressure in the end zone. So it was really a total team defensive effort led once again by Hunter Waller, who led the, the team with 12 tackles. But I, I mean, I, it's kind of the story of the season for the defense and this team. It's been a roller coaster ride, but you've got to be impressed with the way I think we can acknowledge here. And you did at the top of the show. This has not been the season anybody expected. No one went into this year thinking, oh, seven and five and five and four in the Big Ten. That sounds like a solid year. No, that hasn't been the case. Having said that, it also could have been a lot worse. And I think the last two weeks, you've at least seen some growth and some toughness and fight and pride. And those were important things where two weeks ago we're questioning whether they had any of that. I would totally agree. They they could have just laid down. They could have just, you know, turtled a little bit. And they didn't. They they fought their way back from a 14-0 deficit against Nebraska and beat them in overtime. They fought through, you know, some adversity on Saturday against Minnesota and came up with a victory. And they got, you know, they got two trophies, including one that came in a rivalry game. So those are certainly things to hang your head on and, and maybe things to grow from. And I think that was kind of the theme after the game too, is like, you, you know, whether it's Braylon, whether it's Hunter Wohler, whether it was, you know, Will Pauling. And I know you were asking some of these guys about like, but the future of, of what Wisconsin can be, even if they may not be around, uh, they still feel good about it. And if they, if they had not gone out this way, they would not, obviously it would, they would not be able to say that type of stuff after a game. So yeah, the, the, the grit, the fight, the determination, the uh, toughness that has been a part of this program for the last 30 years is still there culture wise. I know Muma Jong Meta said it was our culture versus their culture. And um, I think we all know what that means, uh, especially when you hear Luke Fickle at the end of his <laughs> speech <laughs> to the team his speech to the team in the locker room when he goes sink the boat. And that is right. There's, there's a clear differentiation between cultures that Wisconsin has and what Luke fickle wants to be and what PJ Fleck has and what PJ Fleck puts out there, right there. There are complete, they're completely different. Take away the, the acronym, you know, team T E A M that's on the back of Luke fickle's jacket. And a lot of people have called, him at times a uh, a PJ Fleck, you know, kind of like it, that. I didn't know we hired PJ Fleck. Well, guess what? You didn't. Uh, that's that. That's that's one acronym compared to the thirty that are uh, plastered all over um, Huntington Bank Stadium and and everything that comes out of PJ Fleck's mouth. But I, I there there were certain things that happened yesterday, Jesse, that just kind of put a smile on my face. And and one of them was after that incompletion of Chris Houghton Bell on fourth down, they showed a picture, they showed a replay of PJ Fleck and him getting like so excited, like it was going to be caught. And then he has to come back down and he's, oh, he didn't catch it. And I, it, those are things that just kind of make me happy, kind of make me smile. Um, So at the, the end of the game, it's been a while since Wisconsin has had a chance to rush and get the ax when um the crowd's actually been there, right? They lost it in, 20 they lost it in they they got it back in 2020 but there was no there were no fans there 
it was at home. They were just by themselves. So it wasn't, it hasn't been since uh, uh, 2019 where they, uh, excuse me, they, they didn't, they already had it in 2019. So it, all the way back to 2019, the last time that they had an opportunity to rush around and grab it and, and enjoy it with fans. And they enjoyed it. <laughs> they, they absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, some of the guys that maybe didn't know a ton about this rivalry, a guy like Nathaniel Vakos, eventually grabbed the flag and was running around, running around. And then he planted the flag in the Minnesota end zone, which was hilarious and also awesome. At the same time, you had Wisconsin after trying to that uh, they had obviously chopped the one goal post, tried to go to the other golf post and Minnesota was still down there singing and they managed somehow managed to keep the guys from going down there. It looked like it potentially potentially could have been a repeat of 2013 where there was a little bit of a, um, an altercation between Gary Anderson, his staff, his players, and um, that end zone. But it was exactly what you want in a rivalry game and the excitement and, and passion that you had seen a couple past two years with Minnesota and the stupidness of uh, PJ Fleck being like body passed around and that all that stuff that happens in a locker room after a rivalry game that we've seen with him yesterday was, was the, um, was Wisconsin's turn and they took full advantage of it. It was a, it was a fun scene. I'll be honest. It's a fun scene uh, to see whether, whether, whatever team it is, if you're on the field and you're able to be around it and see that the response to it, it's pretty fun. And when you win, you are in the right to celebrate however you see fit. And there were, it was a long celebration. I think Marty (laughs) Stry was, was carrying around, the axe and pretending to row it like it was they an got, oar, well, which is oh, great. Yeah, they, they got they got out at midfield again, very similar <laughs> to what Chris Orr was doing in 2019. They got out at midfield and uh, and certainly uh, rode the boat on the <laughs> on the M. Yeah, this is what the cliche, but this is what college sports can be about at its best. These are still college kids. This is this is a rivalry that goes back such a long time. And when you win, you should be able to celebrate. And and what was interesting is uh, no one was in any hurry to go anywhere. And I think <laughs> Luke even mentioned that in the post-game um, team locker room setting that they showed clips of on social media to enjoy this. And I also thought it was interesting that he acknowledged, you could call it an elephant in the room, that and we've talked about it that was the last game for that specific group of players at Wisconsin everybody knows what's coming around the bend you have players who are going to make decisions about not playing in the bowl game because they want to pursue the NFL draft because they want to enter the transfer portal that's coming up in the first week of December and so when they do play in that bowl game a month from now it will be a very different team and when you go through everything that this group has gone through since the offseason, which we've chronicled throughout the entire year, whether it was the mat drills or the workouts with Brady Collins, all the practices, all the throwing sessions, whatever it is, you grow close with a group. And so when you accomplish something like Wisconsin did against Minnesota, you want to enjoy and appreciate it. And you know that moments like that don't happen very often. And you're not going to be able to share one quite like that ever again. So I thought it was great for the guys to be able to celebrate the way that they did. And, and uh, they were clearly in no hurry to take the bus ride back to the, the airport, get on the plane and and go home. Yeah, it was a special, a special day for them. And the uh, ax found its way back into the trophy case last night and got a, got a picture of that. And 
there is nothing like rivalries both ways. Yep. There, there's, yep. there's just not, uh, it's, it's stupid, right? Like in, <laughs> in, in the grand scheme of things, it, it doesn't make any sense. These are college kids, uh, you know, with NIL and transfer portal and all that stuff. It's like, it's somehow you would think diminish what these things mean, but then you see a Marty Stry, you see a Hunter Wohler, you see a Braylon Allen, you see a guy, you see guys that grew up in this state and around it and how much it means to them. And while that, who knows if that'll still be the case 20 years from now, uh, the fact that these guys and um, it's still something that, that means something. And I think Tanner Mordecai was kind of asked about the rivalry in itself. And, you know, I've, he said he'd never been to around a school that talks about it from day one. And it was talked about from day one back in January. It's like, how do we get that back? It's the ax. And and they learned about it throughout these last 10 months, 11 months. And I think you kind of see why it's that important. And um, certainly uh, they got an opportunity to enjoy themselves <laughs> after the game. And I'm sure had uh, a late night last night as well. Um, all right, let's, let's get into some of these Twitter questions. Um, what do we else? What do we got here? All right. Dennis says, have these last few weeks surprised you with the amount of emotion Luke fickle has shown? No, not, not if you're asking about Luke, um, this is who he is, man. He hates losing. He's talked on multiple occasions here in recent weeks about that stretch where Wisconsin lost four or five games, including three in a row being the toughest stretch for him as a coach in part because of the expectations uh, from people outside the program, but also the expectations that he put on himself. So he clearly challenged this team and he said, he's, he's never going to publicly tell you what he's saying. If it's negative about a player or, or constructive, but he sure as hell going to tell them behind closed doors. And I imagine that he had to have challenged them at a time when it looked like this program was really reeling. So I'm not surprised by the emotion and the energy and the passion that he has, because that's who that dude is. For sure. For sure. Um, Grandpa Jay says the offense and season changed when Tanner Mordecai became a true, true dual threat. This program has to go in that direction forward. No. Probably, um, you know, it's tough because I, I it, it, like, um, Braden Locke's just a redshirt freshman. And so I want to give grace for the guy who's such a young player and has three more years after this, but I think it's fair to say he's not a mobile threat. I, it's interesting because Longo has had success in offenses where his quarterback was not mobile, but you see the, as Luke Fickle has said on numerous occasions, the the ultimate multiplier that a quarterback is, especially like Tanner Mordecai, who can do multiple things, I, I won't be surprised if they look and see who's available in the portal, but I also think that would have to come with somebody not wanting to being in the program moving forward because they've got a scholarship kid coming in and maybe retire who's tremendously talented. And as it stands now, you're only losing one with Tanner Mordecai. Again, I'm, I'm on the camp that that is not going to be the same quarterback room um, next month that it is right now. And that's, you know, not even just, removing Tanner Mordecai. I just, I can't see everyone sticking. It's just not what college football is. You know what I mean? Like even there there are going to be changes and I, I'm not going to try and guess who and, and what, but it feels, it feels 
unlikely that that room is going to be the exact same. So I guess we'll see. Again, the the transfer portal officially opens next Monday after the um, right. That's right. After yeah, I think the, it's December fourth. So after the after the college football playoff uh, pairings are announced, so we'll see. And we know we, certainly what we saw last year and uh, those type of things. It it happens pretty rapidly, and I think we're going to be uh, seeing guys out and potentially guys in it was i know luke fickle was talking about how the those guys need to enjoy it right the the players need to enjoy it the seniors need to enjoy it he kind of is like we've got things to do right <laughs> like we're not going to stop you guys enjoy this but we're not going to stop type of stuff and so there's yeah uh, uh, several big weeks here leading into signing day keeping everybody on board in the 2024 class and then obviously the transfer portal and figuring things out there um, significant couple of weeks coming up for Wisconsin's prospects going into next year. Um, Jeff says, uh, what are the other performances in his career that would even come close to what Braylon did on Saturday? Oh, um, this is where I need to consult his game log, but I yeah, mean, I got, I, I got I, it. I got it. There's a, there's a couple that any, he's had a couple 29 carry performances. The one that he had earlier this season, he was the MVP of both of the bowl games that he played in. And I know last year yep. they had offensive MVP and defensive MVP. So who those two, I forgot. But, and who was the defensive MVP? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jordan, Jordan, uh, Turner, Jordan, Tur- Jordan Turner was cause uh, Jesse put him down on his card. That's not um. true. <laughs> I know you, I know you keep saying that I voted for an Oklahoma state player. And they just had to pick the whoever won because we didn't know who was going to win the game when you have to submit those dumb paper ballots in the middle of the fourth li- quarter. I mean, you were literally the only one that got a paper ballot. You know, yeah, I don't know why. On Wisconsin side of things. Yeah, go ahead. So dumb. Sorry. Um, yeah, go ahead. But, I mean, there's been a few. Um, the the 228-yard, perf- was it three touchdown performance he had against Nebraska a couple of years yep. ago? Yep. So there's been several, I think. And you were talking about this before, like he's ninth all-time in rushing yards. The challenge when you evaluate Braylon's career is the pantheon of icons that Wisconsin has had at that position. It's so hard to compare unless you are a Doak Walker award winner or a finalist for the Heisman Trophy or lead the country in rushing yards. It's just mind-boggling and completely insane to consider how much talent there has been in that position at Wisconsin. And we know it in the last 25 years. Obviously, you have Ron Dane, but in the last 10, 15 years, you had Monte Ball, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, all those guys, Doak Walker Award winners, and we haven't even mentioned James White, who was a Big Ten freshman of the year in 09 and was overshadowed because Monte Ball had a ridiculous end to his career. And then there's Braylon. And I think that's the that's what's tough is anywhere else, Braylon is probably revered as an all-time great at, at a program. But because it's Wisconsin, and I know he held himself to a tremendously high standard where he wanted to be compared to those kinds of guys, it's tough to do that. But I also don't want to diminish what he did, and it may sound like I am. He had an unbelievable three-year run here. It's just when you compare him to the all-time greats here, it's not quite on that level. Right. It's not. Uh, you, you mentioned ninth overall. His average per carry, 5.9 for his career. Where do you think that ranks? Mm. Uh, if only I had the Wisconsin fact book in front of me. I, I, I oh, know it's pretty what? high. Zach does. <laughs> I know it's pretty high. I know Melvin Gordon's was like 7.8, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I'll say top five. Yeah. I mean, he's he's fourth. He's yeah. fourth all time. Was Melvin Jonathan Gordon. Taylor. Yep. And James White. Yeah. Uh, Gordon was 7.8. Jonathan Taylor was 6.7. 
James uh, James White was two point six point two, and and Braylon was at five point nine ahead of Ron Dane, ahead of Monte Ball, ahead of Terrell Fletcher, ahead of John Clay, ahead of Michael Bennett, ahead of Corey Clement. So they're got to look at it that that way too, at least in my mind. So yeah, but yesterday was big, and I don't I don't know that there were a ton of more important performances for him in his career than what he did. Uh, yesterday against Minnesota. I mean, they needed they needed that type of performance because who knew w- what they were going to get out of Cade Yacomelli, even though he did, I thought, uh, acquit himself well when he was given the opportunity. But yeah, I mean, he had a, he had a couple. I mean, his his back to backs against Nebraska and Northwestern in twenty twenty one were impressive. Two twenty eight and one seventy three against uh, those two um, was good. And the his this is the third most he's had in the career. Ties third most. The other one was. 165 at Ohio State last year, which a lot of it felt like empty yards. But this one has to be up there. And, and especially when you put the idea that this was it, like 2021, he was just getting started. This, if I mean, this was it for him. And he put together a hell of a performance. Um, CT Badger says, can we get a shout out to all the guys who were dinged up but still showed up and gave 100 plus percent? Obviously, Braylon Allen dinged up. Will Pauling, Chimray DK, Tanner Mordecai. Um, you can go, I mean, go on down the list of and everyone at this point is is pretty dinged up, but I think the Pauling thing is and and the Hunter Wolder thing certainly stands out. I mean, Will Pauling said he got up on Sunday, went and got scans, did not practice until Friday, did a little bit of stuff on Friday, and then you know, Luke Fickle said he wasn't even sure he was gonna play, probably shouldn't have played. And he went out there and and gave it what he had and he caught the first touchdown. That was huge. And Tan and um, Hunter Waller, the what we believe to be an, a head injury, he would not confirm that, but he was he's, he's a little dinged up. He didn't get cleared until Friday night, so those uh, guys are playing through stuff all the time. But a couple of guys really, when they needed him, st- stood out for sure. Give them all, give them all the shouts, man, all the shouts, all the. And shouts. I think it, I think it shows you when you are wondering, maybe too much was made of this because it was emotional. Uh, comment in the heat of the moment of that, that that idea of who's in and who's out those guys who are fighting every day to get back and play who are leaders who are consistently being productive uh those guys want to be here more than anything and they showed it against minnesota lance says does luke fickle move on from jim Tre- uh jim trussell mike trussell when his with, with all his slow starts on defense this year i don't see it um no, no, no. I, the, like, let's just be real. This defense as a whole is not that good <laughs> from a talent standpoint. I'm just going to call it like it is like, think of all the disruptors they've had over the years, which again, like I was referring to the running backs before really mind blowing. When you consider all the linebackers, all those guys with NFL talent, look at what they had this year. I don't know that you could say you had that uh, defensive line wasn't consistently productive outside of James Thompson Jr. I think linebacker play was solid at times. And at times they really got exposed, particularly with speed on the edges. Um, if, if you go back it, and let's say the, the whole Barry Alvarez, five great players thing, there's one on defense. There's Hunter Wohler, right? That's it. Yeah. So it's hard for well, me I mean, to I- say the defensive coordinator, like <laughs> one year, this is it. Like, no, this takes time. I, I don't want to shortchange some of the guys on defense, right? Like, uh, you know, Ricardo Hallman. Yeah. Uh, okay. Six, I overlooked him. You're right. Six, six I interceptions, apologize. right? The, yeah. the most since uh, Jamar Fletcher had 
seven in in 2000 he had i mean he was insane he went seven seven and seven i believe to finish with 21 in his career uh but the most by a cornerback since 2000 yeah that's that's a hell of a season yes so i I I overlooked him ricardo's been tremendous but on the whole i think it's the talent just it's from what we've seen in previous years and i'm not trying to make excuses you're the defensive coordinator you get paid a lot of money to figure out how to make this team productive they weren't they had stretches where they really weren't good, but they also had these stretches where they, they played well enough to keep Wisconsin in the game. I think with more talent and more people that perhaps fit that system, they'll be better. Barry says, what's the biggest question for this team heading into the off season? Mm, single biggest. Um, I think it's uh, I'll, quarterback. I'll yeah, I'll let you think about it, but I was, that's where I was going to go. Who's the, who's the quarterback yeah. going to be? Well, yeah. you have I mean, you have questions at running back certainly, and you you don't know exactly who is all going out at this point. But quarterback is at the top of the list. Yep. If if you don't think you have a guy that's going to be able to help you or, or lead you next year, and and Braden Locke showed signs, but again, we also see what this offense is when you have a quarterback that can move around um, really well. And I'm not saying that's that Braden can't move around a little bit, but when you don't have that, it, it takes a huge piece out of this offense. And I'm not necessarily sure you can have a a great a great offense when you're running this scheme if, if your guy can't move around. But to, to me, it has to be quarterback. Yeah, I think that's reasonable because we – and the other thing is basically every year <laughs> we've watched Wisconsin, they've required the services of a backup quarterback. I think the only ones that come to mind where they really didn't were – 2017, the Orange Bowl year with Hornybrook in 2019 when Jack Cohn led the team to the Rose Bowl, but even he played through a high ankle sprain. So you need depth, but you need your starter to be somebody who's that dude. And uh, right now, I think that's fair. I mean, I've got a lot of questions, but that's for that's for the offseason when you can actually see who's still on this roster and who's not. All right. We got we got a few more here, Jesse. Uh, Mike, the mathematician says if if we told Zach 421 days ago that in 2023 Luke Fickle would be the head coach, we would have the axe and Deacon Hill would start in the Big Ten championship game, how pumped would he have been? What do you think 421? <laughs> what, what what yeah. How pumped would he have been? Uh he would have been off the charts pumped. Uh <laughs> because his his take that Deacon Hill was the uh starting quarterback, the eventual starting quarterback Wisconsin would have been true because there's no chance he's transferring, obviously. You get Luke Fickle, who has hired a guy that is going to accentuate Deacon Hill's strengths and bring him into the next level. And the Badgers are in a Big Ten championship game, ready to play for the college football playoff, uh, that opportunity to go to college football playoff, because obviously Wisconsin would be 12-0 and at this point and getting ready to take on an undefeated Michigan team with the winner getting to go to the the, the playoff. I mean, it would have been uh, absolutely epic. Instead, we're here where Deacon Hill made it to a Big Ten championship game uh, quicker than Graham Mertz did. And we'll play in <laughs> more Big Ten championship games than Graham Mertz did. So there's there's that. He would have been pumped. He would have been ex- he can, extremely excited. Deacon Hill completing 48.3% of his passes this season with five touchdowns and six interceptions. But you know what? Right place, right time. And he is the starting quarterback of a team that won double-digit games and is going to the Big Ten championship. Maybe I should not reference uh, the fact there are more than three touchdown underdogs, but hey, that's why you play the games. I thought he was brilliant on Saturday. If you think about it, 
that interception he I mean yeah I mean he was oh, excuse me on Friday he was brilliant I mean the the final interception that he threw gave Chubba Purdy the opportunity I mean they were just trying to change field position there a little bit right and sure let's go right? with that he set it up perfectly for Chubba Purdy to then throw it straight to his defense and then he centered the ball like nobody I've ever seen center the ball before and they get the game-winning field goal. That is that is Deacon Hill, man. Uh, that was Deacon Hill. And l- l- without any joking here whatsoever, that game should not have even come down to that. He threw an absolute bullet to uh, one of his guys at an out in the end zone, and he just straight up dropped it. That's not Deacon Hill's fault. That's not Deacon Hill's fault. Deacon Hill was electric, electric per usual. Um Tim says, uh, if the Badgers go to the Music City Bowl, which is what mm-hmm. Jesse's certainly hoping for. <laughs> We're all Tim, Tim. Well, yes. I mean, because the options are. <laughs> yeah. Um, chances. He's wondering the chances that we can bring him some cheese curds and spotted cow. I assume he lives in Nashville. He lives 30 minutes from Nashville. He says he can hook us up with some good southern barbecue brisket, which obviously you're about pulled pork, smoked <laughs> mac and smoked mac and cheese. What are the oh, chances wow. that what are the chances? Um <laughs> I'm not gonna carry a sixer of spotted cow with me. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a lot of effort. Uh but maybe we can work something out. <laughs> um yeah, we'll figure something out if they end up there. We'll we'll certainly figure something out. Uh Cal says, What's the deal with Jake Renfro? Will he play <laughs> next year? One can hope. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. I think that the timing of the injury and really wrecked a lot of things, and you want to have some continuity with the line. And there became a certain point where Luke didn't want to make wholesale changes, and that's really what would have happened if you put him in. On the other hand, I don't know how ready he was. Um, but next year, assuming he can stay healthy, it would be delightful, I think, for the Badgers to have him at center and, and uh, let the chips fall where they may from there. And uh, the last one, Nate wants to throw us a, an overreaction or no here. Wisconsin makes the College Bowl playoff next year. Maybe not as a con- maybe not- <laughs> maybe not as conference champs, but as a top twelve team with a loaded schedule and a chance to beat highly ranked, most likely teams. I'm going to consult went- my my Google's just to remind myself of what the schedule is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let let me see. Oh, Alabama. USC mm. at USC. Uh, Got to play Penn State at home. Haven't beaten them in a while. Oh, they're playing Iowa and Iowa City. Hey, Oregon's coming to town. Um, and then you've got the other games that have been toss-ups lately, like Minnesota and Nebraska. Hard for me to see it right now. I'm not going to – I mean, this is why they brought Luke Fickle. This is why they're paying him the big bucks. I think it's going to be a challenge in upcoming seasons for them to put themselves in a position to make that 12-team playoff. but. They're certainly going to have ample opportunity given the opponents they'll play. Yep. Uh, the last one here, Brendan says, uh, is the Badgers 2024 RB1 currently on the roster, playing in another school, in the portal, or in high school? I think he's on the roster because I'm going to assume that Chesma Lucy will opt to come back for another year. And it's hard to deny how his skill set pairs with, with this offense. I think they could really use somebody like that, especially when they're bringing in three freshman running backs. Um, but 
portal season, hashtag portal season. You, you never know. You never know. But I, I think I think it will be Chez. And that's just me having not had an opportunity to talk to him since he got hurt more than two months ago. Yeah, I saw him on the field last night. He was, um, I mean, he, he still looked down, uh, which I'm I'm sure it's probably been an absolute horror having to sit and watch like he has uh, the last couple of months. But I, I'm going to say no, that the guy's not on the roster right now. Uh, it's I think it's possible that it's one of the three true freshmen. I think it's also possible that they they go to the portal. But I think the 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 things that you have to balance here, right, Jesse? If you go into the portal, is that upsetting the apple cart in terms of one of those three true freshmen? If you go, you know, if you add somebody in and and they're like, well, "What the hell? I have no shot to to start this year." You're not even giving me an opportunity. You're adding this this guy from the portal, but you have to. I mean, you you also have to weigh the options, right? Like you have to weigh the perhaps one year rental or two-year rental versus what you could potentially get out of a true freshman for three or four years. But it's a, it's a tough question. It's a tough question. I, but I'm, I'm going to lean towards uh, they're not on the roster right now. But does that mean you think Chess won't be here next season? It does. I mean, it's, it's, he is, I mean, he, it's a t- first of all, it's a tough injury to come back from. He will, but it's a tough injury to come back from. I, uh, his, the problem is he's not he he's not going to go and play in the NFL right now. You wouldn't think, just based on um, his history. But then again, putting more mileage on his body, potentially getting hurt again. We know he has. I mean, he's got hurt every single all three years. Would you rather just give your your shot in the NFL and just go for it, or come back and you know potentially get hurt again or help your stock? I don't know how much he's going to help his stock by coming back. You know what I mean? Like there, there is stuff on film here that shows he can play, but it just hasn't been cons- like it hasn't been able to stay. It hasn't been able to be on the field all the time. That's the problem, right? I mean, if you're an NFL team, are you looking at that? And the same same thing with Braylon. I think it's overlooked by Braylon because of his physical gifts and his age. And Chez, if he comes back, I don't know exactly how old he is right now, but by the time he leaves, would he be 23? Would he be 24? That's that's old in running back years going into the NFL. I think that's fair. Uh, hey, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I know that. It is. It is. Jesse, please have safe travels back. We'll uh, we'll catch back up later this week and and uh, look ahead. Maybe we'll have some more news to talk about as uh, the, the team kind of transitions here and who will be back and who will not be and who's going to play in the bowl game and, and who won't be. But um, certainly uh, – Really appreciate your your work all season here on the camp. You as well. Thanks, Zach. Talk soon. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.